0: welcome back Richard it's good to see you morning it's good to see you good morning now we we have a tough topic today um a, a topic that we hear about often um especially because here in our practice we do a lot of uh work with families um and of course if you're doing work with families you're doing work with families who um have been successful in staying together and 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 all of that but then we have other families who um for One reason or another, um, the family ended up breaking up and uh, the the parents didn't uh, stay together and they're they're divorced and are starting new lives. Um, But we're going to talk about an issue that has gained a a lot of notoriety, I guess, uh, called parent alienation syndrome.
1: Right. Yeah. Notoriety and confusion and anxiety and all sorts of emotions. Right. Right. Yeah. Parental alienation. And there's some people make a distinction between parental alienation and parental alienation syndrome. Um, We'll talk about that as we get into things, but yeah, this is a, this is a difficult topic, parental alienation.
0: It is. And it's, um, you know, obviously it comes up a lot when we're dealing with uh, divorces and separations and trying to do custody evaluations and those kinds of things. Um, And it's often used, um, you know, it's thrown around a lot in cases where you know if a child becomes more attached to one parent than the other or if they're you know as we'll talk about uh, especially in cases where there's been a history of domestic violence or something like that you know parental alienation is a um is something that can happen um we're going to try to dispel some myths. We're going to we're going to talk about parental alienation syndrome over three weeks. Over the next right. three weeks, today we're just going to kind of talk about what it is and, and um, some some signs and and, and characteristics of it. Right. Uh, next week we're going to talk about the the effects of parental alienation on the child as well as the alienated parent. And then the third week, we're going to talk about where do we go from there. You know, how do we um, prevent it? How do we identify and he- and then heal from it? So we got a lot to talk about with this.
1: We do. It's a it's a pretty broad topic, and um, again, it's one of those topics that we really don't know a great deal about. There hasn't been a lot of research. Uh, mm-hmm. There are a lot of opinions, but the problem is at at the level of the family system, it's a very destructive force. And Absolutely, it's been very difficult to. To sort of capture um, capture the essence of this problem, and um, and that's part of part of what we want to talk about in uh, weeks two and three. of right. the podcast, Is is what are those difficulties and why this is such a difficult topic to manage um, at the uh, for psychologists and attorneys.
0: Uh, absolutely, and and I I think we should begin with the idea that it is a perplexing mm-hmm. and difficult problem. Right it's not a real diagnosis, you know, it's not in the diagnostic manual. This is a, um, you know, it it reminds me of like the word sanity. We often think of, you know, is the person sane? If a person is insane, um, we think of that oftentimes as a clinical term, but it's a, it's a very legal term. Um, sanity has a very legal definition and it's something used in the legal process. We really don't use it in, in mental health at all. Um, Parental alienation isn't a mental illness, it's not a mental health diagnosis, it's not a, a medical diagnosis of any kind. This is something that's more, uh, links more towards the legal side uh, of things. Um, but again, um, none of the diagnostic um, uh, organizations like American Psychiatric Association, uh, they don't di- identify it as a, an actual diagnosis
1: correct it's um yeah you're right it's more of a legal <clears throat> term than a, right. um, than a than a mental uh, a mental condition um, right. although there's an association between mental conditions and parental right. alienation but again um we'll talk about that um, in another part of the project part part of the podcast right um so parental alienation um typically occurs doesn't only occur During a divorce, it also occurs in intact families. Um, And in fact, uh, the alienation may begin long before the divorce, Mm -hmm. where one or the other parent is sort of setting the stage for eventual alienation. But what parental alienation um, means is that either consciously or unconsciously, uh, one parent seeks to win the allegiance of the children by turning them against the other parent. Right. And we understand why that happens. People get divorced. Typically, they don't like each other very much, and they will do what they can to um, gain some control over the situation. One of the most important differences, one of the most important distinctions we should make, and this will be helpful for listeners, is the difference between alienation and estrangement. Right. Estrangement is a warranted rejection of the parent, Typically, it would occur with some sort of abuse, uh, uh, physical, emotional, verbal, sexual abuse, where a child has a reason to be separated or alienated from the the parent. Alienation is unwarranted rejection. There is really no reason for this to occur. And the most obvious example of that is that a child can have a perfectly um, amenable, normal Close relationship with a parent, and then the divorce occurs, and suddenly they turn against the parent, right. and it's that unwarranted rejection that we refer to as alienation. So, right. as we go through the the topic, people will think, "Well, what if the parent should be? What if the parent should be alienated if there's a reason? Well, if there's a reason, then we would call that a stranger, right? Right. So, so it's an important distinction."
0: Right, and, and so so yes, that that's a very important distinction, and something one one of the first things that we look at, um, if we're if we're looking into uh, parental alienation uh, as a suspected, um, event that's happening, um, so but let's think about what what uh, parental alienation is, and I think there's two ways to to look at it. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. One way is to look at at it from the perspective of what the parent is doing, the the parent who is attempting to alienate the child. And then the other way to look at it is the response of the child. Um, So, you know, uh, again, you know, when we think about it, what we're really talking about is at sort of at the most basic level, it's when a child um, for for perhaps unjustifiable reasons, like you said, um, it's not really warranted, uh, but the child... Uh, allies, uh, aligns himself or herself with one of the parent. Right. Um, and uh, one of the really important aspects is that the child also express, starts to express some rejection and some hatred toward the other parent. Right, right. The parent who is being alienated. Um, right. And that's a really important piece, right?
1: Yeah, because you're, you're not, the thing to keep in mind with alienation is that it is a two-part phenomenon. And the first part is what what changes the child makes. So in in a clinical setting, like when we do parent coordination or we do custody evaluations or we do parenting groups, what we're talking about here is we're working with the child because the child has now aligned himself with one parent and is expressing hatred or rejection against the other. So that's one issue that at a clinical level you have to deal with. Right. So that's one part of parental alienation. But the other part is what is it's the effort by the by the aligned parent, by the by the parent who's doing the alienating,
0: Right. And, and that parent, what, what they're doing is they're attempting to manipulate the child's belief right. and, and perceptions and, and many times really working to distort or erase or alter some of the right. child's positive memories of the other parent uh to make them more negative um Mm -hmm. one of the articles um that's listed in the show notes is from psychology today and talks about um talks about that you know that you know part of the reason it's so uh, so difficult is that you know you have the parent the parent who's attempting to alienate doing this you know sort of change trying to work to, to change the child's memories which let's be honest isn't always very difficult to do. I mean, it's it's not real difficult to change a child's memories, especially depending on the age of the child. Um, mm-hmm. Just a few words here or there. Uh, if you ever watch the movie Inside Out, um, mm-hmm. there are lots of examples yeah. in that movie where uh, the main character, um, you know, like looks back and thinks about, you know, some of these, uh, some, some of her memories as really negative and just slightly changing the perspective and it turns into a really positive memory. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so you can go, and it can go back and forth.
1: Right. And, and that's very, very common that children will come in um, even children as young as eight or nine years old. And all they'll talk about are the two or three difficult moments that they had with a parent. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a life, there's eight years of memories there. Right. They come in and they just recount one or two episodes. Right. When you talk to the parent, they say, "Wait a minute, we went on camping trips. We went to Disney World. Right. You know, we used to. I was her. I was her softball coach. I was her soccer coach." Right. And so you, the, the the parent has all of these fond memories, and the child is just focusing on a couple. But when the aligned to parent, um, it's very easy for the the alienating parent to distort or erase those positive memories just by focusing on the negative one. Well, oh, you remember when your dad did it? well oh, you remember when your dad said this? You know, your dad always had a bad temper. Well, no, dad didn't always have a bad temper. Right. Um, and so, but, but that's the two-part process that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a child who has selective memories and distorted memories, and they're dealing with a parent who is actively seeking to change the child's beliefs and perceptions about the alienated parent.
2: Right.
0: So when we think about how often this happens, I, I think it's it's the, the numbers are impressive because and not impressive in a positive way. Um, yeah. It's impressive because when you think about, you know, about 50 percent right or so, um, maybe a little bit about more than 50 percent of marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a good percentage of kids who who come from broken homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you You get this um, and then you think about this phenomenon happening, and we the numbers are um are remarkable. about twenty two right. million parents ha- have um an alienated relationship with their child, with a right. child right. um, twenty two million mm-hmm. parents have that alienated um relationship. So th- what that does is that leads us to about four million children. Who are alienated from their parents right, right. That's, a, yeah, because, that's a remarkable number
1: yeah it's those are hard numbers to get well the child count is hard to get because frequently children don't realize it or they're not accessed or parents don't right. want to give you access so there's there's a little bit of a difference in the numbers but four million children uh, that we know of that's, that's probably a minimum that's probably a minimal estimate are um alienated from their parents and to put that in context, in some larger context, that's three times as many children as uh, those who have um, autism. Okay, and and we know that autism is increasing in frequency; it's fairly common diagnosis now. And this is three times as many um, right. children are alienated. So it's a it's a it's a significant problem. Um, right. it, it's especially significant um, in the effects that it has. On children, and not only the alienating an alienated parent, but eventually on the alienating parent. So uh, it has effects on all three. Right,
0: and so so, and, and parental alienation syndrome isn't new. It's been around. Um, mm-hmm. It was first uh, coined by Richard Gardner in 1985, right. and um, you know, Gardner identified eight symptoms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go through those quick because we want to get to sort of the signs to let you know what we know, uh, you know, some more updated information as far as what we look for, but but when Gardner was talking about it, he said, you know, one of the things is that the child constantly and unfairly criticizes the other parent, Um, and, and it's that, like we've been talking about, sort of that that campaign against the other parents to keep putting them down and have those, you know, really emphasize negative memories, even turn positive memories into negative memories, but it's just constantly happening uh, from the child.
1: Yeah. And that doesn't, that doesn't take a lot of effort or it doesn't have to be vitriolic. It can be, it often is uh, mean spirited, but you know, the parent can just say, well, I don't know. I don't know why your dad didn't call today. Uh, Maybe he's busy or maybe he's out doing fun stuff with his friends and so you can, you can, in a nuanced way, right. start to shift the child's perception. But it's a campaign to denigrate the other parent, mm-hmm. um, either subtly or not so subtly. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's a very effective because it's a constant drip, 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 drip. And you're, right. getting the parent, you're getting these negative messages from the parent. And most children would assume that a parent is telling them the truth. Right. So whatever whatever I'm hearing, it must be. Why would my mother lie to me? Why would my father lie to me? Right. Absolutely. And, and so what that what happens is when then when we meet with the
0: child, you know, another symptom is that the child has very little evidence. Um, the, the the examples are very specific, mm-hmm. um, and, and it they refer to really isolated individual times um, in which something happened, you know, they will provide one specific episode where right. mom had a really bad temper and, um, you know, dropped a plate or something because she was angry. And that becomes the sole focus. Um, but there's no other evidence. There's there's no other supporting information to to support their reasoning.
1: Right. And, and that's one of the, that's one of the, the important things is that you you start to get this selective memory. And very specific examples, and um, that, and that's a second. When you talk to the children and you say to them, "Okay, explain, explain what happened, explain," and they give one or two examples, and you're sitting there thinking, "Oh goodness, I've done that with my own children. You know, I'm I'm guilty of that too." Um, but it's a very selective use of episodes and incidents.
2: Right.
0: Uh, another um, symptom that Gardner talked about is that the child's um, the the child's perspective of the parents are unwavering. So the alienated parent, it, it's all negative. Um, that, that, that other parent, everything that the child talks about them is, is negative. And, and there's no ambivalence about it. There's no uncertainty about it. It's all negative.
1: And it's really hard to get the child to shift. Because yeah. when, when you talk to them and you in a clinical setting, and you're talking to the child, and you say, well, wait, let, let's think about that for a moment. And you start to talk to them. But what you're actually doing is it's, in a sense, the child is stuck between the therapist and the parent. You know, this is what my mother told me. This is what my father told me. And you're giving me this other story. Who's the child going to believe? Likely to believe the other parent. So it's very difficult to move the child from that very hardened position. There's no ambivalence here. Um, when, When a child gets alienated, it is complete, total alienation. There's nothing nuanced about it,
0: right? Yeah. So the, the child believes and claims that all of the perspectives that they have are their own, um, their own conclusions that they drew from their own independent thinking. When we know that you know a lot of that was was fueled by the alienating parent, um, right.
1: yeah. but
0: but just as the just as their um, their um, negative perspective of the other parent is unwavering and, um, uh, you know, not mixed at all. It's all right. negative. The The support and perspective of the other parent, the, the um, parent that they have aligned with mm-hmm. is also unwavering and it's all supportive. It's all positive. Um, sure. You know, you, you can't, it's really difficult to get a child in that situation to say anything at all negative right. about the parent who has done the alienation
1: You know, and and I I think about that a lot with these kids, because when you think about it, the child is aligning with one of the parents. Once the child has aligned with one parent, especially when you get this active rejection, total accurate rejection and hatred, animosity to the other parent, now the child is one parent away from being an orphan. Right. Right. And so if you think about it from the child's perspective, they've already pushed one parent out of their lives. Mm-hmm. That means they only have one parent. And might I add, they've not only pushed the alienated parent out, they've probably pushed the parent's entire family out. Right. Okay?
2: Outside of the family. So
1: now they have one parent and a few relatives. And if that parent would die or disappear, now the child has no parents. Right. So they're going to invest heavily mm-hmm. in the alienating parent. Right. So it, once, once a child makes that decision. And you're right. The fourth characteristic is these kids think they're making this decision independently. Right. And in most cases, they're not. Right. Uh, they've been programmed uh, a certain way. If they've been alienated, by definition, they've been programmed. Right. And so once they make the decision to push one parent to separate that parent now they're one parent away from being an orphan. Uh,
0: absolutely. And, and there really is no, uh, another characteristic is that there really is no uh, guilt no. felt by no. the child at all about mistreating the,
1: the alienated parent. That um, was the most no astonishing thing yeah. to me was when you talk to these kids and they have no remorse, there's no guilt. I mean, here's a, here's a parent who's been supportive there for the child's entire life. Right. And now there's that person. I mean, I've had I've had I've had 12 year old kids say my father no longer exists. I don't have a father.
0: And, and they don't really hesitate to even say that right in front of the parent.
1: No, they have. They will. Yeah. I, I have. You, you no longer exist. We no longer need you. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that you bring to our life. We no longer need you. And children will say that directly to the alienated parent
2: right yeah and, and
0: when the when the child talks um again another characteristic when the when the child talks to, to either someone like us in in a in a clinical setting or even right. to other other adults the child uses terms and phrases that certainly seem very much more adult language type of, of words um, than what you would expect from the child
2: right.
0: um, and again referring to things that maybe never happened or mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes they talk about things as though they were there and it happened and the child wasn't even present right, right. Um, and they're talking about this and, and you know sometimes talking about it in great detail right.
1: and they weren't even there yeah and the, the last thing was then what happened well I don't know but I wasn't there but but I heard about it you know. right. Yeah.
0: And, and but then again, um, unwavering in the perspective that it absolutely happened just as they're describing. That's right.
2: right. So, yeah.
0: and, and then, as you said, you know, the 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 alienation tends to extend beyond this specific parent to the entire that side of the family. So so Gardner talked about all of these. And, um, you know, and one of the things that he came back later and said is that. While the child seems to have this really strong bond to the alienating parent, the, the right. parent that they have aligned to, there is some. There is often some evidence that the child had a really good bond with the parent that's now been alienated. Mm-hmm. So there's a history of the child really being close to the other parent, um, the parent that they have now been alienated from. So um, it's really a, a devastating experience for the child.
1: Right. Yeah. Gardner added that later that, that uh, you know, you should have this previous bond. There was a time when when the alien alienated parent and the children did have a strong bond. Um, and the second thing is, is that um, children who are alienated show have a very difficult time transitioning from one parent to the other. They don't want to go. They come up with excuses. And that's the other thing. If they if they're if they're willing to go. Then they're not alienated. Right. So he added these two things later.
2: Right.
0: So, so we we talked about a few things that we see from the child. Let's talk about a few things that we'll see from the from the parent who's doing the alienating. Um, and and one of the things that we see is that the, the parent who's you know trying to persuade the child or alienate the child from the other parent, one of the things they do is they provide the child with a lot of unnecessary and oftentimes very inappropriate relational details. So they may talk to the child about uh, affairs or um, domestic violence that maybe even didn't happen, but they'll Mm. talk to the child about some of these things in an effort to um, uh, persuade the child to be uh, against the other parent.
1: Right, right. And, and um, so we have this, this list of these signs of parental alienation. Um, And so the first one is, Convincing the children that the targeted parent no longer likes them or wants to be with them—that's very, very common, okay, among uh, alienating parents—is that all you have to do is say, "Well, I don't know. I I guess your dad doesn't. Your dad doesn't want to be." The parents are divorcing, right? Not the parents and the child, right? But the alienating parent will say, "Will include the children in the divorce." Yeah, he's leaving us. No, he's not leaving all of you. This is simply a divorce right. You're not divorcing the children. Right. Uh, uh, Oh, go ahead. No. So that's, that's one thing that you, that you, you frequently see is that the children become part of the divorce. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, and, you know, I I was mentioning a minute ago that you, you have the the parent making a lot of negative comments and and giving a lot of um, inappropriate information to the child. Um, And and, in light of that, what they're, parent will then do is, is blame the other parent for the divorce and why their family isn't together anymore and those kinds of things. And it's, um, you know, and again, oftentimes inappropriately, you know, blaming them for things or claiming that they did things that, um, either isn't true or is, um, you know, from a, maybe from their perspective, Mm -hmm. but certainly not completely accurate right or certainly not
1: appropriate for the child to hear. Right. Yeah. So a second sign of parental alienation is restricting the time that the child can spend with the other parent. We see this all the time. Uh, You deal with it in custody evaluations. Right. You must deal with it in every custody evaluation is where one parent will seek to severely limit the time that the child can spend with the other parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll use the courts and they'll use attorneys to limit the time and then and then frequently blame the alienated parent for making the decision when, right. when it's not their decision at all. The the alienated parent wants to spend more time, but the alienating parent is severely restricting the time. Right. And they'll, they'll do it even, even they'll even defy court orders. You know, everybody has a divorce decree, right. which lists the visitation, the hours of visitation. And I, I have many parents who simply defy a court order um, yep. and they, they dare the court system to do anything about it
0: yeah they they really push the the envelope there and 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 sometimes even re- sometimes related to that you you'll hear um about them making false ac- accusations about abuse or neglect um, you know a lot of times we get um we'll see repeated Um, reports to like child protective services or departments of children and families and things like Mm -hmm. that um, false or to the police even uh, making fault, these false allegations or false Mm -hmm. accusations of of abuse or neglect against the other parent.
1: Right. Right. And, and the last one, I think one of the most insidious is parents will either consciously or unconsciously. And I, I think, I think it's probably consciously, they will withhold affection or they'll threaten punishment. Mm-hmm. If the child expresses positive, I mean, I, I've, I've heard parents say to their children, I mean, I don't hear it, but the children will report that the mother will say, well, and, and they'll make these, kind of, they're not veiled threats, they're open threats. Right. That if the child expresses any positive feelings about the absent parent, that the, that the child is going to have some consequences, right. you know, either, either emotional or physical consequences for even expressing positive emotions. Um, And so that's a that's a very direct way of of shutting down Mm -hmm. that relationship that your child might even want to have with the other parent. There's there's nothing. Again, we said there's no ambivalence here. This is this is total destruction.
0: Yeah. And one of the ways that you see it early on is, you know, when the child is going to go visit the other parent, the the alienating parent will will prime them. Mm -hmm. By saying things like, um, you know, well, look, if you have any problems, you know, if if mommy starts to get really angry or, uh, you know, make sure you call me right away or, you know, um, you you know, daddy doesn't mean it when he says those things. So, you know, again, it's they can be very subtle, but oftentimes little seeds are planted that um, that then mature into, you know, a lot of perspectives and, and beliefs that you know, aren't really accurate or true. So,
1: right. Yeah. Parents will say here, here's this cell phone. Now don't, don't tell, you know, and you yeah. call me if there's any problem. Well,
0: yeah. Hide it in your bag. Don't let daddy know that it's there.
1: Right. You're planting problem seeds and, and, you know, everything that happens, The child is calling the alienating parent to report on everything that happened. Well, just let me know. Then the child returns from the alienating parent and they have this debriefing session where they go through everything that happened and then the alienating parent will make um, judgments right. about what the child is reporting. So right. it's just this ongoing, almost constant effort to separate children from parents. Yeah.
0: It, it's, it's really difficult. And um, you know, so uh, as we're wrapping up this week, you know, it, it's important to say that parental alienation is real. Um, it, it's not, I, I think that we believe that it happens a little bit more often than it does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, children certainly have a tendency to say what it is they believe the parent that they are with wants them to say. So it's not at all uncommon for a kid to go from, you know, have having spent time at mom's house, then go to dad's house. And if dad says, you know, what, what did you do this? For? Oh, nothing really. Um, we didn't do anything. Um, no, I didn't really have fun. Despite the fact that they could have gone to Disney. Yeah, we went to Disney, but you know, it was really hot and it wasn't very much fun. And then when they go back to moms, they do the same thing about dad's house. And so there is, it, and certainly that's not healthy. That's not good for the child, but that's not parental alienation either. That's right. just the child sort of aligning with whatever parent they're with um, and kind of going back and forth because as you said at the beginning, if the child connects with connects with each parent whenever the child is with that parent. That's mm-hmm. not parental alienation. Right. One of the parents could be trying it; they could okay. be trying to alienate, but but it's not working if the child is not changing some of those perspectives.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the effects of parental alienation syndrome on the child as well as the um, the parent. And, um, and then we'll wrap it up on the third week talking about um, where do we go from there? Prevention and healing. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so,
2: all
0: right. Well, yeah. that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.